Hello and welcome to Family Renewal. I'm Israel Wayne, your host. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as we take a look at faith, family, and culture, all through the lenses of a biblical worldview. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Hi, I'm Israel Wayne. Welcome to another episode of the Family Renewal Podcast. And I am doing a second day of broadcasting here with Todd Wilson, Family Man Ministries. If you didn't get to hear our last episode, I want to encourage you to please go and listen to that episode because we sort of introduce Todd and who he is, what he does, and talk about his ministry. He has a lot of great resources for men, for us as husbands and fathers, uh, and just as Christian men in general. And so that episode, we talked a lot about his ministry and what he does, but I want to dig into some topics and some issues on this episode, because I think a lot of men really struggle with finding their place and finding their role. And uh, it's difficult. And I want to try to dig into a little bit why that is. Um, You know, my backstory is an interesting one. I was homeschooled. And so a lot of people know that about me and kind of assume that I grew in a kind of Christian bubble. But in fact, my parents divorced when I was six, and then I spent like the next nine years living with a very abusive stepfather. So my relationship with my dad after my teen years was just non-existent, and my relationship with my stepfather was only negative. And Mm. so I didn't have this great role model of how to be a husband and how to be a dad. So I came to fatherhood and a marriage really in many ways with a deficit. But I did have some men who invested in me as a young man and helped to mentor me. And uh, so I I had some advantages in that I had some good information. I would say I didn't have a lot of example. Uh, Like I didn't grow up with a dad doing family devotions every day or, you know, things like that because my dad didn't live in our home. We didn't have that kind of uh, ability to, to, you know, do that on a regular basis. So is the kind of thing where I I had some good ideas going into marriage, but I didn't have a lot of model for it, I guess. And I think for a lot of men, even if they are raised at a Christian home with a Christian father, raised in church, and there's some stability there for them, it's not as though anybody intentionally ever really took them under wing it taught them how to be a man, how to be a Christian, how to how to love a wife, how to parent their children. And they feel like they just sort of got dropped off without a handbook. And, you know, yeah, there's the Bible, but it's got an awful lot in it. And especially if you just start reading from the beginning, you get somewhere in Leviticus and you bog down with like, you know, rules about Ox rules. Yeah, mold and (laughs) mildew ordinances and things. And so a lot of you feel like, I don't know where to to start. So so what I'm wondering is, um, you speak to men all around the country all the time. Do you feel like there's a fear factor that men have when you start talking about them engaging as husbands and fathers? Do you see them sort of just shut down immediately? Like, okay, I'm about to be guilt tripped. And somebody's going to tell me I'm not doing a good enough job, but I feel like I'm doing the best I can. And like, how do you try to bridge that gap with them when you know there's some kind of natural resistance that 
You, you know, I think you're I think you're 100 percent right. I think there is a natural resistance. Uh, maybe it's because, you know, for a lot of the reasons you said, maybe it's because really, I think wives have put a lot of pressure on us, you know, that that they read the books that say all good families have family devotions, you know, yeah. even though the Bible doesn't say anything about devotions. You know, yes, we're supposed to be devoted to God and we're supposed to read his word and we're supposed to pray. But devotions, I don't know, uh, I, a man may have made it up, but a woman will say, tell us, remind us why we should do it. And I have ladies come up to me all the time and say, oh, our husbands just need, would you tell our husbands to lead in family devotions? And I'm like, I'd be okay if they're just there when they rise up, when they lay down, when they walk along the path. Um, you know, I, I don't even care what they say um, because, you know, the stuff that you were talking about, Israel, that you missed out on, your children are not going to miss out on. I mean, that's the hope. That's why I talk to dads, you know, because we dads are modeling that. Yes, we're going to give them lots of baggage. They're going to have your kids are going to have their own baggage to deal with, Israel. Um, and. They have big alive. luggage carts for all the issues. Yeah, they have a luggage cart. You know, and that's what a dad's supposed to do. But maybe we take them a little further. You know, maybe they don't have the same kind. And they get to see a dad model that all the time. Now, for the dads, and that's really for me when I speak, um, you know, I, I don't just tell them why they're not doing a good job. I tell them why I'm not doing a good job. Because, I mean, I talk about this all the time. I'm the family man. And I blow it with my kids all the time. You know, I get my kids in tears because I'm just mean. I get, you know, I, I let my wife down in major areas. And one time a dad asked me, he said, so what makes a good dad? You know, and I, I couldn't come up with an answer because I don't like those. Well, you see, if you do the, and I mean, I chewed on it for like a, a week. And I finally thought, you know, really what makes a good, is, a good dad is one that doesn't give up. One who just keeps trying. Ask forgiveness and you keep you keep at it. So, but you were talking about like that mentor thing. You know, that's pretty cool that you had guys who invested in your life. Um, I was all I think men are afraid of that term, mentor. Mm -hmm. You know, because mm -hmm. as soon as you say that, mm -hmm. you kind of picture something maybe from college days where, you know, guys had a little a little book and they went through it with you. There was a memory verse for each week, and, you know, and 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 in my head, that's what I did. And, and in fact, my my wife's dad, he would he was involved in the Timothy program where uh, it was a CBMC Christian Businessmen's Committee. Uh, he did that with lots of guys. Went through that, and he loved it. He loved going through that. I hate that, you know. Um, and I didn't think I really would have anybody involved in my life other than my dad or some other friends. But one time, uh, I was. When I was a pastor, I had to take my car to the garage and I asked an old guy, I said, would there be any chance you could pick me up and take me home afterwards? And he said, yeah, how about, how about we go to McDonald's afterwards for breakfast? I said, okay. And uh, we went and afterwards he said, hey, that was a lot of fun. How would you like to do that forever? <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And so every Tuesday when I was home, we would go to McDonald's. He would buy my breakfast and I didn't spend very much. And it was like a dollar and a half. Um, he never took his Bible. We never had an agenda and he poured his life into mine. 
And it was really, I thought, that's what mentoring is. Yes, as dads, we should be doing it with our own children. You know, I hope, because I have mentored my sons from birth on, you know, for 20 some years I've been mentoring them. But, you know, if you're one of those older dads and you see an, an Israel or a Todd who just maybe is inundated with kids and he's got this job and he didn't know how to, why don't you just say, hey, would you like to go to breakfast? you know, this Tuesday, and then just see how it goes. Don't know without an agenda and just let the conversation go wherever it's going to go. Cause I'm going to guess, you know, that eventually it rolls right around to the important stuff. I don't know if you can hear the 12 o'clock siren, but it just went off. I have found in my life that the mentoring relationships that God has used to build me have been ones I've had to go out and look for. Um, Mm. They didn't just come to me organically. I think there's a bit of a dance sometimes between the young man not wanting to approach the older person because they assume that, you know, this older person, maybe not even in age, but just in spiritual maturity, they're busy. They don't have time for me, um, which, which may or may not be true. Uh, but sometimes the older men sometimes feel like this younger person doesn't want to listen to me. They, they don't want to hear what I have to say. I find that rarely is that true. I, I do think you're right. If, if someone looks at, at a relationship as this is going to be seven years of Saturdays, <laughs> right. you know, that just yeah. feels very overwhelming. But, but almost always, if, if you go to an older brother in Christ and ask him a question, and say, here's something I'm really struggling with. Hmm. Very rarely does he ever say like, I'm sorry, I really can't help you. I mean, it could happen, but I think most people can handle that level of relationship, you know, where you're not saying like, I want to move in with you. you know? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I'm going to be a Can we be best friends? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> so, I, agree. I agree. So I think sometimes people don't, don't have time for a project, you know, but they, they don't mind sharing what they've learned in life. and. Um, my oldest son is turning 20 soon. Mm, You're a little wow. bit ahead of me in this whole uh, life launch thing. This is new for me. And I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, to be honest. We're <laughs> feeling our way along. Um, but one of the things that's occurred to me is like, I can't do everything for my older children that they need. And this is where as they've gotten older, I've seen how important it is that you pick wisely what church you're a part of and what community you surround yourself with, because that is kind of going to be the relational context where your kids plug into wherever they go next, you know, uh, and maybe they find their own church community. But uh, I've been praying for them to be able to find their own mentors, you know, people that can take them farther than what I've been able to take them. And uh, how do you find as a dad with these older teenagers, your relational dynamic changing from, you know, when they're two, three years old, like, you know, you're dictating policy for their life. You're God. Yeah. You're like, you're <laughs> going to eat this and you're going to go to sleep at this time. And you're going you're to you know, wear this. And this, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. you know, in a loving way, of course. But but the point is, uh, at, at 18 years old, you're not doing that. So what have you found as being, uh, how have you transitioned? as a dad in that relationship to where you're no longer parenting in the same way. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. And I think we're all just feeling our way through because, you know, I, I used to think that when my kid came into the world, cause I was taught this that, you know, I got this lump of clay and it was my job to make him perfect 
by the time they graduated from high school and left my house. And I, by perfect, nobody ever meant perfect. Yeah. But so they wouldn't have to struggle, so that they wouldn't have to, they would make all godly decisions. And, yes. and I don't think that's true. Mm. I think the truth is God has lessons for them afterwards. Mm. You know, maybe they have to get fired from a job or two mm. to learn the lesson. Cause, you know, or maybe they have to sleep on a couch and when they're married. Maybe, and we don't want this, maybe they have to get divorced to learn something. And really, I can, and that's a point where we as dads, I think we can't control it anymore. Right. And we have to say, I'm going to trust God that he's going to finish what he started in you. You know, and yeah. otherwise, we're just critical the whole time. You know, you have to be up at a certain time. Why aren't you? Why are you still laying in bed? Aren't you? Don't you even care that, you know, you're only making whatever you're making? Don't you want to advance? You know, and you tell me how how often you, you want to be around a person like that. You don't, you know, and in fact, you want to avoid them. And, you know, I think what we dads often wear for our children, our older kids, is a look of disappointment on our face mm-hmm. all the time. You know, I mean, I, I don't like video games. I have some older kids who like to play video games. They like to play them together. You know, they'll all get their little computers out and they'll say, hey, dad, look at this. This is our virtual reality. And I'm like, I don't need to do that. I'm doing real reality. <laughs> and, you know, and they get to the point where they 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 talk in, in whispers on the edges of the room because they don't want me to hear, you know, because I'll make fun of it. And I hate that about me. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, as those kids get to that transition, I think they need someone who cheers them on, who is there when they fail, you know, and the communication is always open. Yeah. You know, I, I, I know even for me, I love it when my mom or dad, even now, you know, they're 80 plus years old, they'll go, oh, that was good, Todd. It feels so good that my parents don't think I'm stupid, you know, or... Don't forget to, my dad. My dad always used to say, don't forget to buckle up your seatbelt, you know? And, and it was just like, I'm not going to forget to buckle up my seatbelt. You have to say that every single time, you know? Or, you know, I'm driving and he's like, you better be careful around here. You're going above the speed limit. You know, for my kids, if they get a ticket, maybe that's the way they have to learn or whatever those, those circumstances are. And so I think it's hard to let go, um, but to trust God that he's going to do what he's going to do. Yeah. And to smile at our kids. Cause I think, I think we've quit smiling at our older kids, mm-hmm. you know, cause again, we we're just disappointed. And I think, cause I think sometimes, you know, I, I met a, uh, a, a lady, a girl who was, Oh, 30 some years old. She wasn't married. And she said, her reasoning was, um, you know, well, I just can't find anybody like my daddy. And I'm like, well, your daddy wasn't like your daddy when he was a young guy. You know, my kid, I'm not, I made terrible decisions and God used those to get me to be a terrible dad, you know? So, so, so I'm no farther, but at least I'm happier. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, it sure is a strange new world. And um, mm. you know, one of the things that I've learned is just having to pick battles too. Uh, to know what do you make a big deal over and what do you to let go. Um, another thing that I'm finding in this transitional season as our children are getting older is, um, you know, we have 10 kids and, you know, they're, they're from almost 20 down to 14 months. So we've got them just, you know, every age. And um, I'm finding it's increasingly difficult for my wife and I to just spend time together without just, 
everybody being needy and you know it just seems like the older ones have so many activities that they're a part of and the the younger ones just have the needs that younger ones do and uh, i i think it's harder for us right now in terms of just us having time alone that we get to just even have a conversation without being interrupted and so forth and i know the traditional um you know um word that everybody gives you is advice of advice is, you know, have a weekly date night and we just haven't figured out how to make that work for us logistically. Um, but, but what are some things that couples like us can do in the season of, you know, deep in the trenches parenting where we don't just, you know, I, I read a meme one time on Facebook and it said that at some point, every marriage denigrates into two people telling each other how tired they are. Right. right, right. <laughs> how yeah, do we not just true. end up there, right? You know, and I and maybe we do end up there. And 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 that's comforting to know that cuz I think parenting, you know, as 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 they get older, the pressures are greater. You know, cuz when they're little, you know, you might you might be exhausted all the time, but you're not dealing with big issues. You're not dealing with you know, all these heavy things. And then you add a girl or a boy into the mix. And now you're like, you know, and, and I think our wives are more prone to internalizing and saying, Oh, it's all my fault. You know? And then I'm okay with my wife thinking it's her fault, but eventually she comes to the point where she realizes that, Oh, it's your fault. (laughs) You know? And she looks at me and she goes, you know, if you had done this better, or if you hadn't let us do this, or you let them get this, you know, and now you're kind of doing this all the time. Um, I think it's important, I guess, just to connect. And I'm not very good at it. I mean, sometimes my wife and I, we travel around a lot in a big RV and, and we're together side by side. I mean, she's right there all the time. But after a week or two, she'll say, well, we haven't talked. And I'm like, I feel like we talk all the time, you know, she goes, yeah, but we haven't talked. And I'm yeah. like, it feels like talking, you know, to me. <laughs> and, and she, but what she wants is she wants to sit down, whether it's in our room, it's hard for us in our room. So she wants me to say it's important enough to make arrangements because now you have older kids, you know, to, to watch the younger kids that we need to go. And so, so we're trying to do every other week, you okay. know, because she felt like every week was too much because okay. um, we have so many other things going. And we sit down, and I don't even call them dates because sometimes they're not even fun, you know. They because the conversation usually points to me and how I'm letting her down. <laughs> and I can remember one time we were sitting across from the table, and she's just like talking and talking, and I'm feeling grumpier and grumpier until I'm not even nice by the end. She goes, "Well, what's wrong?" I'm like, "Well, you just said a lot of hard things, you know, about me." And she goes, and then she said this, which it really shocked me. She goes, did you think this was about you? Because what she was saying is it's not about you, Todd. It's about us. And she she was right. You know, when your wife says to you, you know, you're, I just feel like we never talk. It doesn't feel, it doesn't have to mean like I've let her down, even though maybe I have, we just need to talk. And so we need to make some of that time. And, and again, I, I know husbands, it's hard to do that. We get, caught up and then you know you know your wife will say well we haven't had it in three weeks why didn't you say anything because i wanted you to say something you know and i don't know it is hard but i know it's worth it Hmm. and it's worth keep going at it but i think i think to to our wives especially 
that talking time, that conversation is more important as your kids get older than it ever has been. Um, and, you know, and I think it has to be destination isn't or talking isn't something you do on the way to somewhere or while you're working together. But but the conversation becomes the destination where we we say now we're doing it. OK. And I know some guys, I know one guy, every time he comes home from work, he and his wife, you know, they spend four hours sitting on a couch talking together and they've got 13 kids and I don't know how he does it, you know, but I'm just not that way. Where I just feels like we can barely even say goodnight to each other some nights. Um, but I know it's so important to my wife and I know, I don't know about you, Israel, but I can tell that if my wife is feeling low, she needs it even more. There are some times where she doesn't need it as much. You know, she's feeling good. She's feeling energetic. She's feeling healthy. Mm-hmm. She's feeling not hormonally whacked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but when she's feeling whacked out, that's when she needs me to come to her rescue. And that's some of the times that I've let her down so deeply. So you have built some systems. That's not the right word, but for lack of a better word, you've built some systems in your life that have helped you innately to be able to spend more time with your family, with your children, with your wife. Um, One of those was that you decided at some point back in the day to homeschool your children, which meant that they were home with you and meant that your wife would be home with them. Um, Then you also made the decision to have your own business. And uh, that of course brings a lot of opportunity for you to be in proximity um, I have my own family business and, and now my office is out of the home. I actually worked out of the home for, you know, the first, whatever, whatever it was, uh, 13 mm. years of my marriage or something. And, uh, in more recent years, I've had my office out of, out of my home, which has its own unique challenges for sure. Uh, but, but the family business doesn't necessarily in any way innately bring about family unity. I think it, it actually fights against family. Mm. unity. It's, it's like an enemy that you have to keep at bay a little bit but it does give you proximity and there's value to that. So there's trade-offs, right? You know, right, 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 right. It's like the all encompassing thing that can just eat your life and kill your relationships if you don't watch it. Uh, but, exactly. but you homeschooled your children, you have started your own business. When you travel, um, you more than some other speakers on the circuit, you take your family with you when you're on the road. Um, a lot of speakers, they just do fly dates where they get on a plane, they're gone for three, four days, and then they fly home. They're the speakers who smile a lot. (laughs) (laughs) They have far less stress (laughs) comforts for sure. I like that. You know how many times I know you've experienced this too, where you're like dealing with this kid and then you have to speak in three minutes and you're like, I don't even know where I am. And my wife hates me. And (laughs) uh, What are we talking about? (laughs) (laughs) For sure. And I mean, I had a, a time just last, year where I was at a conference and I, I had my, uh, I had a suit and I was getting ready to go do my, my keynote probably about eight minutes before I was supposed to go speak and do my keynote message. Uh, my little one puked all over. <laughs> just the stress level went way up. And then you have these families who, who see you at the conference and they're like, oh, it must be so wonderful. You can <laughs> travel together. And uh, you're just like, yeah, it's just uh, laugh a minute. It is hard. It is hard. <laughs> but, at, but at any rate, uh, I was going to ask you this in the last episode, I didn't get to on the homeschooling issue. Um, just quickly, what uh, what led you in that down that route? Because you know, really, only somewhere between two to four percent of all evangelical Christians teach their children at home, 
that's a, a pretty small segment of the Christian population that decides to do that. So how did you end up being? Yeah. Well, it wasn't part of our initial plan. You know, my plan was to, uh, when I was at Purdue University, I, I wanted to win my entire campus to to Christ by myself. You know, there were 40,000 people. I didn't do it. But so when I got married and, you know, we had a, we lived just south of this town that we live in. It was brick streets. I thought we're going to win our community to Christ, you know, and we didn't have kids at the time. And we're like having little block parties and, you know, inviting people and watching their little kids. But then I noticed that when we had kids that some of their kids are a little harder than my kids. They'd say things like, look at my wife and got to say, you know, a, a five-year-old going, who got you pregnant? Was it him? You know, and they'd use words that are like, would make me blush, you know, and I'm thinking there is no way I am putting my kids in with you guys, you know, eight, to eight hours a day, five days a week, because I would lose my kids. Mm. And so I said to my wife, what do you think about homeschooling? And she's like, I don't know. Um, I said, why don't we just give it a shot? And really, it's been the greatest thing of our lives. Um, you know, and yes, it is hard. It is hard to be around your kids all the time. It is hard to have a family business. And I'm not saying everybody should do it. Right. But I'll tell you what, those are hours that can never, that are, you've redeemed. You know, uh, I, want, I want our kids to be a part of what we do. It's not just my thing. It is our thing. And, uh, and, and, and I love being a part of that. I love having my kids home every day. You know, I love, my wife will say, oh, but it's so loud and chaotic and they're just yelling all the time. And I said, honey, that's the music of our home. Mm. And one day it will be silent and we are going to miss it. And so I honestly, you know, I said last time, uh, Israel, I said, you know, I watched these biographies and people always said, I wish I had spent more time, you know, as a dad. You know, I think I might get to the end and say, we gave it up. We gave it all. You know, we got it all. Yeah, I still blew it all the time. I still was mean. I still didn't play as many games of basketball as some of my kids did. But they were there. We were there together. And we did life together. You know, and, and that is just good. I've I always just, enjoyed I just love the, it. the little moments where I've gotten to spend some time with your, with your kids. I, I think I've gotten to know Ben and Sam probably. Right, right. And Ike a little bit. Uh, but um, Sam was always so, so polite. And uh, I, I remember I would always have fun with him at conferences because, because, you know, he, he's just such a, such a polite young he man. Is. And uh, is. I remember one conference, you, you and I were both keynotes at this conference, but you were in doing your keynote session. And, and uh, I was just, you know, kind of um, trying to clear my head for my next session. And so there were a few people milling around out in the hallway where the booth was set up and everything. And so I went and stood behind your booth and um, this lady came up and she's like, uh, how much are your books? And uh, I was like, well, we're doing a special this week. They're two for a dollar. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, um, uh, Mr. Wayne. And she's like, well, well, really? She's like, well, which ones do you recommend? I said, I don't really recommend any of them. They're all pretty horrible. <laughs> she was like, and she's looking at me because obviously she didn't know who you were. Right, right, <laughs> so, right. And so, so Not a like, very good salesman, is he? <laughs> sounds like, Mr. Wayne, um, 
do, do you have something you need to, to do? <laughs> I was like, no, I got nothing. I'm, I'm just so glad to get done. <laughs> he so he's this moment of panic, like, how do I politely ask Mr. Wayne to please leave? Yeah, right. right, right. <laughs> They're such good kids. I, I've always appreciated. Now, Ben would have just kicked me out. I mean, he'd have no problem. Ben would have. He would just talk right <laughs> over you. <yeah. laughs> he would even... have been like, look, I'll come help you at your booth later. That's right. right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah. I've always enjoyed uh, the fact that, you know, you, you have your, your family with you and, and through the good and the bad, you know, it's a family ministry. It's not yeah. just you out there saving the world and it's, it's your family together, you know, having a purpose and, and actually, you know, you, you inspired me early on to, to try to make more effort to travel with my family. Cause it's so much work. Uh, We've done a lot more of that. Uh, we still have the RV, and I don't know that you'll ever convince me. <laughs> we, uh, we've done a lot more traveling as a family over the last few years and, and actually stopping and seeing things. I, I remember one conversation we had years ago. Um, we, we were at a conference. I feel like we were at a conference out west somewhere. But we, had, we had both been at a conference maybe in Columbus or somewhere, and then we were out west or, or something. And, and I asked you... Um, what you had done during the time in between the events. And you said that you stopped to see Mount Rushmore. And I said, well, if I remember that right, that's like way off the highway, you know, across <laughs> I-80 or whatever uh -huh, it is. Like, uh -huh. You have to go way north two or three hours or something like that to see Mount Rushmore and then come all the way back. I said, basically like that kills a day. And you're like, kills a day. And you were like, well, what did you do? And I was like, well, I did the conference on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then I spoke at a church on Sunday, and then I did a seminar in a different state on Monday night, and a seminar in a different state on Tuesday night, and then Wednesday night I go to church, and then Thursday I was in a different state, and I did a seminar, and then we came over here and set up for the conference, and here we are, you know, <laughs> and, and in my mind, like, you know, you were like, kill a day, like, that's what we're here for, we're here to spend yeah. time with our families, and my family was with me, but you know, I have I have endeavored uh, over the last few years to find some time where we take some days off. We just go do something. That's great. That's great. And, uh, part of that has been your example in that. So. Well, have you ever seen the movie Mosquito Coast? I'm not necessarily recommending it because I it's been a long time, but it was with Harrison Ford. And Harrison Ford, he's he takes his family out into the jungle. Like he leaves society, he's a scientist, and he decides he wants to share refrigeration with the savages, thinking that once they have ice, their life will be good. So he goes out and as he's out there, like those white missionaries kind of come in too. So he's always feeling crowded. He goes a little further, a little further. And he's got his, a couple of kids with him and his wife. And the very last scene is this dad is driving this boat. I mean, he's got this crazed look. They're going deeper into the jungle. And the kids are in the back huddled up, you know, their hair sticking out all over the place. They're covered in dirt. They look like wild kids. and we can hear the kid's thoughts. And he said, I could stand up and I could stab my dad in the back and throw him into the river and we could go home. <laughs> and I thought, that's what I don't want. I don't want my kids to go. I hate the family man. Yeah, I yeah. hate being on the road. Yeah, yeah. And you know, my kids would all say they'd love it, you know, and just because we try it, we wanted it to be about us, not about me. And I think as a dad, you know, who works out of his home for other dads, you know, or moms, you know, I know moms sometimes, you know, whether we're on this all the time, our, our kids hate these things, you know, they want our attention. And I think our kids are okay if we're on our phone and somehow we're involving them or, and, and, and again, is it, 
it's 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 hard. I when we, the first time we got it, smartphones, I got rid of mine. Mine's this looks like a smartphone, but it's not. Um, but uh, we had smartphones, and my my wife said, "Oh, uh, we were driving down the road, and my kids said, oh, mom likes her iPhone better than she likes us.'" And my wife said jokingly back, but there was some truth in it. My phone never makes me mad, you know. And I think you know our jobs never make us mad. Our you know our things never make us mad. But those kids who we love, they make us mad all the time, you know. And then they had the nerve to go, you don't even care. <laughs> you know. And so. it is interesting because here we are as guys who talk about family, we talk about marriage, we talk about parenting. Um, we live real life just like everybody else, and yeah. we have those struggles. Um, but I what you said, I think it was in the first episode, maybe it's earlier this episode, just about the the definition of a good dad is the dad who doesn't give up and the one who right. goes back to his kids and repents and says, Hey, I was wrong and I didn't handle that well. And, um, you know, just, just continues to find a way to circle the wagons, to, to re-engage, to reignite the, the warmth in the home. Um, I know that's, that's a big part of your message. It's what you've done for a really, really long time. And I want to encourage people, if you have never heard Todd speak in person, you're going to want to do that for sure. If you have a, a church that has an annual conference or you have a family camp or some kind of an event that your homeschool group or your church or organization puts on, you want to invite Todd as a speaker. He's dynamic. He's engaging. And uh, you also want to check out his website, uh, sign up on his email list, subscribe to his podcast. He's got a lot of great resources. So Todd, how can people get plugged in with your ministry and stay in touch with what, where you are and what you're doing? Well, I think the easiest, just go to our website, you know, uh, familymanweb.com and that'll take you everywhere you need to be and anything you need to do. Um, and we'd love to connect that way. Absolutely. Well, we, as we record this, we are in the middle of the uh, COVID-19 lockdown. And uh, by the time you listen to this, who knows, maybe we'll be past that. But uh, we are currently off the road, but Todd and I both love doing real events where we actually get to meet you and we get to uh, shake your hand. I think we'll go back to that at some point in the future, won't we, Todd? <laughs> or will we just I don't know. forever? I don't even know what we'll do in the future, but I'm we'll looking forward to it. Virtual high fives, you know. Probably. <laughs> Waves. I don't know, but uh, we may do that kind of Spartan thing or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll do some, do some greeting out. Yeah. Changing. It'll be a new cultural paradigm. But it, at some point, we want to do it within six feet of other people, and uh, we are grateful for the opportunity that uh, the Lord's blessed us both with to be able to be out here doing this for a long time. Mm -hmm. By God's grace, hope to do it for a lot longer. And uh, I, I recommend again, uh, Family Man Ministries, Todd Wilson. Uh, if your pastor is not familiar with Todd, please send him a link and introduce Todd's ministry to your pastor, to your men's ministry leader. Um, he's got just a tremendous amount of resources that will be helpful for all the guys in your church or small group or, or wherever. So, Todd, thank you again for being my very first ever guest on the Family Renewal podcast. And uh, we, we pray the Lord's continued blessings on you and your family and your ministry. We uh, are big fans of what you do and uh, are grateful that you're, you're using the platform God's given you to just challenge and encourage guys to keep going. 
It was a pleasure, man. It's a pleasure being, being friends. All right. Bless you, man. Talk later. Thank you for listening to this audio presentation. For more information on Family Renewal, the writing and speaking ministry of Brooke and Israel Wayne, please visit FamilyRenewal.org.